Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. All right, how's everybody doing today? You guys doing good? Man, great to, great to be home. Great to be in Jacksonville. As, uh, as many of you know, I've been out for the past few weeks. I've uh, been overseas at our, uh, with our churches and our ministry partners in Africa and Paris and Amsterdam, and we've been doing a lot of preaching and a lot of planning for uh, awakening revivals in Europe uh, this fall in Paris and then in some other places in 2019. Come on, can you give God a big hand for that? And uh, so, uh, so we've just had a powerful few weeks over there, and I'm going to be sharing more of that uh, next week. But church, I I just want to share with you um, right now that uh, I hope you're ready for the second half of this year. Um, God's really shown me that as great as the first half of this year has been, the second half is going to be better. The latter is going to be greater than the former. And, uh, and so you need to, to get ready for, I mean, some real powerful moves of God, miracles, getting mobilized. That's a big thing that we're going to be rolling out over the next few weeks. You know, uh, God loves our city and he loves this region. And uh, it's time for a move of God. And I'm more convinced than that. I'm more convinced than ever of that after, uh, after my trip over to Europe and uh, all that God is planning to do over there. So um, I'm really excited about that. I'm not going to uh, preach today. It was interesting. I had this, this great message on uh, the wedding at Canaan and, um, and being a vessel for God. And uh, I told Clay about it. And Clay said, look, let me put those notes together for you. And I want to remind you that the Sunday after serve day, services start an hour later. And so I was all ready to preach that message. And I showed up to church and Clay was already preaching it. And um, so, so I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If, uh, if, you've, if you're new to Celebration, you kind of got to know the inside jokes that I have with our other preachers here. But, um, you know, the, these trips, it just takes me a, a couple more days than usual uh, to recover. It's kind of like the older that I get, just, <laughs> just takes me a little more time to recover. I know some of you are shocked. You're like, you look so young. What are you, like 35? No, I'm a little bit older uh, than that. And uh, I've just kind of learned to tune into my body. And, uh, you know, so I'm going to be preaching here for the rest of the year, and I'm looking forward to Wednesday and this coming Sunday. So uh, I was just, uh, I sense that I'm, I'm just still in recovery mode because we did a lot of preaching and a lot of meetings over there. And so you're going to hear a great message from Pastor Clay today. And uh, then, of course, yeah. Of course, I'll be preaching several Wednesdays and, and almost all the Sundays for, for a long, long time. And so you'll, uh, you'll get plenty used to me again. But uh, get ready for revival. And uh, we're in revival, but we're about to go in next level revival. And I can't wait to share with you all the doors 
uh, that God is opening. And so uh, let's just pray. Father, we love you, Lord, and we just thank you for all that you did over in Europe and Africa. God, we thank you for your heart for Jacksonville and for this region. Lord, and uh, God, we just thank you. It's a new time. It's not just a new season. It's a new time. We thank you for using us, God. And we thank you, Lord, that we're your vessels. As a church, we're a vessel. As an individual, we're a vessel. And we're going to hear about, Lord, how, how to be vessels fit for the master's use today. And we just give you all the praise and all the thanks in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Come on, put your hands together, and let's go ahead and and welcome up Pastor Clay. Awesome. Thanks, Pastor. Thank you. No one in our church believes I actually write my own messages. So, guy came up to me. He's like, man, that's so cool. Stovall, let's use his notes. I was like, get away from me right now. So, uh, but hey, it's awesome to preach the word, and uh, I'm thankful. Man, isn't it just great to have our pastors back with us after the beginning of the summer, and I'm looking forward to uh, the next, I'm sure, couple services in a row where Pastor Stovall just begins to unpack more about all that happened overseas, man. And aren't you glad to be a part of a church with a global vision? Uh, that it's even bigger than Jacksonville, um, and just what God's called us to is, uh, is to the ends of the earth. And we have the opportunity, and God's resourced us and graced us and given us uh, the right connections and relationships with people to actually see some of these things come to pass. And so I'm so excited about the days ahead, man. We're honored that you're a part of the family and you'll get to share in all the excitement that's gonna be ahead of us. But if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to the book of John. We're gonna get to the book of John uh, chapter two in just a second. But um, if you can, at the same time, can we welcome in our other locations right now in Orange Park and Julington Creek and... So glad to have them with us. And even our churches in Zimbabwe and Paris, they, they watch these. They've already had church today, but they go back and they watch our Jacksonville uh, services. And so to Pastor Gabriel and Pastor Dixon, man, we're so glad to have you guys even watching in with your team. And uh, so it's going to be a great day. We had a great first service, and uh, I'm excited to share with you again. John chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It'll be on the screens to your left and to your right. But I'm going to read starting in verse 1. And uh, out of the NIV translation, it says this. On the third day, everyone say third day. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. I, I love this interaction right here. I think it's one of the more comical interactions that we find in scripture. So the Bible is saying right here, they're all at a wedding together. It's a massive party. Weddings back then would last several days in a row, the celebration. And, and here they are, and they've run out of wine. There's, there's no more celebratory drink, so to speak. And, uh, and they're out. And so Mary looks at Jesus and she says, son, um, they have no more wine. Jesus says, I don't know why you're talking to me. It's not yet my time. This is not yet my hour. And I love, Mary doesn't even respond to Jesus. It's almost like she's like, boy, you fixing to make some wine. Like, like stop playing. Like, you ain't gonna do it. You gonna do it, right? She just looks at the disciples. She's like, just do whatever he tells you to do. Walks off. Mary just leaves, right? So Jesus is stuck now. You know, mama said, and so, I, you know, he's got to pull through. And verse six, nearby stood six stone water jars 
the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim and he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. And he did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and he said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. And what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first. Someone say first. It was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and the disciples believed in him. If you wanna write some things down today, you wanna take some notes and on your phone or pieces of paper or whatever, um, I've just entitled this message first and last. First and last. So let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we love you. We thank you uh, today, God, that your word is sharp. Sharper than a two-edged sword is what you would say. And, And God, today as we receive it, not just being hearers, but doers, and we receive your word, we apply it to our life. Lord, it pierces to uh, the most inner parts of our heart and our spirit, God, and Lord, it makes us look more like you. And so I just pray today, God, that we'd see things maybe we've never seen before, that you would be gracious in giving revelation to us, God, so that, Lord, we're gonna walk out of here, we're gonna leave better than we even walked in. Lord, we love you. We're excited to receive from you today and we pray it all in Jesus' name, amen? Amen. In 2003, um, and there was even an earlier demonstration, I believe in 1999, but in 03, uh, circulating the internet, there was this study from Cambridge University um, and it was posted just like this and I want you to see it. This is from Cambridge University and it says this. According to a research at Cambridge University, it doesn't matter in what order the letters in a word are. The only important thing is that the first and the last letter be in the right place. The rest can be a total mess and you can still read it without problem. This is because the human mind does not read every letter by itself, but the word as a whole and the brain figures it out anyway. Now, I am not a scientist and I am no Cambridge professor, Um, But as a pastor and a preacher of God's word, when I saw this, I thought to myself, boy, that will preach right there. You see, see, according to Cambridge, and what they're saying right here is, when it comes to reading and words, the only thing that really have to be right, watch this, if the first letter is correct and the last letter is correct, then the middle might be all sorts of mess, but as long as you got the first right and the last right, then the word can still be read. You you can still make sense of the whole as long as the first and the last are correct. So the most important thing here is what they would say is the first and the last as long as they're in their proper place. Now church, if that isn't a brilliant depiction and illustration of the saving, redeeming work of Jesus in our lives as human beings, then I don't know what is. The first and the last, right? Now, before we jump into some points even and dive into some of that scripture, I want to show you, firstly, let's look at what Jesus says of himself. In Revelation 22 and verse 13, he says, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, right? This is Jesus talking about himself. I'm the alpha and the omega. Now, alpha and omega are the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet. 
As I studied this and Jesus referring to himself as the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, there's two things that came about. Firstly, by Jesus saying this, it was the equivalent of him saying, I have always been and will always be. I am from everlasting to everlasting. In fact, scripture would tell us that everything that has been made was made by him and through him and for him. So the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, was intricately involved in creation. He's saying, I I always have been. I didn't have a beginning and I will have no end. That's the first thing he's referencing. The The second thing he's referencing by saying I'm the Alpha and the Omega is he was alluding to everyone that he was actually talking to and in Revelation that it was speaking to at that time. He was saying, listen, I'm not just the God of the here and now and future, but I was the God of the Old Testament. All the signs and wonders and nation of Israel and the provision and all the stuff that you've heard about passed down through oral tradition, you know, generation after generation, that was me. Jesus is saying, like, like that was me. I, I was there. I was there in those moments when Israel was wandering the wilderness. I was there when they were delivered from slavery. I was there when water was coming out of rocks. I, I, that was me. He's, he's letting them know I have always been. And I will always be the first and the last. You see, he's the first and last in so many ways. Hebrews would tell us that he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He begins it and he carries it through to completion. John would tell us that he is the totality, the sum and the substance of scriptures, both the law and of the gospel. Matthew and Ephesians would say that he is the fulfilling end of the law and he is the beginning subject matter of the gospel of grace through faith. He's found in the first verse of Genesis. He's in the last verse of Revelation. He is the first and the last, the all in all of salvation from the justification before God to the final sanctification of his people. Jesus always has been and always will be. Come on, can we praise God for just a second that he was the God of yesterday, today, and forever. Everlasting to everlasting. That's the God that we serve. Always has been, always will be. Now, what does this mean for you and I? Okay, so let's take a look. Jesus is the first and the last. I, and I began to study and think and ponder upon this first and last, first and last stuff. Okay, so here's what you need to know. The first thing is this. Um, your first, your first was taken care of by God. Your first was good. Your first was correct. Your first was Right, I'll show it to you. In Genesis 1:27, the Bible says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. In Psalm 129, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Job 33, the spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. Ephesians chapter two, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works for which God prepared us in advance to do. I read all of those passages to remind you once again that your first was good. Your beginning was good. Your start was good. Your first letter, so to speak, was right. It was correct. It was good. You were formed and fashioned by the brilliant God of the universe in the image of God for the purposes of God. See, church, God doesn't make mistakes. God does not make error God does, does not make accidents. God was not surprised when you were born. I, I tell some of our young people this sometimes because they get it. God doesn't have a junk drawer. Do you have a junk drawer at your house? I have one. 
Mine's in the kitchen. Like a lot of people, they, it's like always around the kitchen somewhere. Now we all know what the junk drawer is, right? It's stuff that you really didn't wanna throw away, but you don't really know how you're gonna use it yet either. So you just put it in the junk drawer and it just sits there for years, right? Maybe I'll find, I don't know, maybe I'll rummage through it every now and then find something I need, but, but you didn't wanna throw it away. You don't wanna use it. Listen, when it comes to humanity and God's calling and purpose and why he creates us, he doesn't have a junk drawer where it's like, yeah, you know, I kind of made you, but I don't really have purpose for you right now. So why don't you just sit in this drawer until I really figure out what to do with you? God doesn't have a junk drawer. He was intricately involved in forming and fashioning and creating you your first was good. Your first was correct. Your first was right. You were created by God with a purpose from God, right? He was there in the first, but I think many of us, we've lived life long enough now to know that it's this middle part that gets a little messy. It's the middle part of this journey called life gets a little out of order gets a little messy at times. I wrote some things down. Sometimes the middle gets messy because of things that have happened to us. Sometimes it gets messy because of things that we've done to ourselves. Sometimes it gets messy because of mistakes, patterns of sin, poor choices, bad habits. Sometimes it's uncontrollable circumstances. Sometimes it's controllable circumstances that you and I let get out of control. And life gets messy, right? But the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ is that before he ever formed mankind and created human beings, he already knew that we were gonna make a mess out of the middle. Like he knew he could, because he is good, he is good, right? There's only one who is good, right? He is good, so he knew the beginning was gonna be good because he was the, he, he's involved in that. But he already knew we were gonna make a mess of the middle. So what did he do in his goodness and his faithfulness and his love and his mercy toward us? He created an alternate ending to the story of mankind so that any one of us who wants to can receive him, can invite him, can welcome him into our life to ensure that our last is just as good and right as our first. That, that's the promise, that's the option that you and I have is we can receive Jesus and by receiving him as the Lord and Savior and ruler of our life, now I know that the last word is gonna be just as good as the first. The last work that God can do in my life, boy, it's gonna be just as good as the first work that he began in my life and he who has begun it will be faithful to complete it in Jesus' name, right? The first and the last, you, you can always believe that your last is gonna be great when you receive Jesus into your life, right? But let's look back at John chapter two because now I gotta melt some stuff together for you, all right? John chapter two, where Jesus performs this miracle of turning water into wine. And so I was studying, I was thinking about first and last and these concepts of first and last, first and last, Jesus is the first and the last, all the kind of stuff we've, we've been looking at, right? So then I thought, okay, first, so, so let's go back to the first recorded miracle that Jesus did in his earthly ministry. And it was right here in Cana when he turned water into wine. But here's what I noticed is that the first and the last recorded miracles of Jesus both happened on the third day. Now Jesus did a couple things in his glorified state, but, but, but before the glorified fully state, the first and the last miracles both on the, the third day. You see, it was the third day in Cana when he turned water into wine it was the third day when he rose again from the dead, right? In Cana, 
The people needed someone to save the party. At Calvary, humanity needed someone to save the world. It both happened on the third day, the first and the last miracle on the third day. It's as if to say, just as everything was slowly declining and tanking on day two, Jesus comes and intervenes on day three, and now day three is better than any other days before it, okay? Now here's, here's what I've learned. I'm 33 years old and, and I've been serving God for a little while now and I was privileged to grow up in a home that served the Lord. And here's what I've learned is that um, day twos look really, 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 really bad when you haven't seen enough day threes. But when you've been walking with Jesus for some time, and you've been walking with them, you have relationship with them, chances are now you've seen a lot of day threes that the day twos shouldn't be getting you down as bad as they are because you've seen day threes. See, see the enemy, and I, the, enemy, man, the enemy used to get me so bent out of shape over day twos. See, some people in a room this big, some people, you're in the middle of a day two right now. Right? Day twos look really, really bad. And the enemy used to get me so just discouraged and depressed and all over day twos. I mean, I didn't, it was tanking, it's declining. The relationship, the finances, the career, the, the, the healing doesn't seem to be coming. Boy, day two looks really, really bad when you haven't seen day three. But the longer I serve Jesus, the more day threes I see. I, now, now I've seen so many day threes, I've seen so many healing. I've seen so much provision. I've seen so much of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. So now what happens is when the enemy tries to throw me day twos, the day twos aren't as discouraging as they used to be because now I have the faith to know that day three is right around the corner. I'm gonna stand on the promise of day three and the day two isn't gonna take me out. This is what happens when we serve Jesus. This is what happens when you stay in the game. This is what happens when you don't bail out early. This is what happens when you get some longevity in your relationship with God. You see a lot of day threes, right? What a blessing day threes are, right? I don't know who that was for, but there's probably someone even at Orange Park or Julington or watching online or even in this auditorium right now, you're in the middle of a day two and it has been weighing heavy on you. I just came to ignite your faith and hope once again that day three is coming. Just hold on because when Jesus drops a day three, it's gonna be better than any of the days before it. Day three is the best, man, I love Day three, that's what Jesus brings. When he comes into a situation, he brings day three. The second thing I saw is scripture would tell us that the day three wine was better than the day one wine. In verse nine, it said, the master of the banquet tasted the water, saw that it had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, but then the cheaper wine after guests have had too much to drink, but you've saved the best until now. It was a rule of thumb back then, as you see here in scripture, that weddings, which would last multiple days, the celebrations were were, were days on end and people and family members and friends coming in from all sorts of lands to celebrate this couple that's, that's entered into this covenant relationship together and You saw right there, the rule of thumb was, listen, you you serve the good wine. You serve that Italian stuff first. 
right? You serve the good wine first and then you bring out the natty light at the end, okay? That was, that was, I'm disappointed that so many people know what that is, so. That's, that was the rule of thumb, right? You bring out the, just the nasty stuff, the watered down stuff at the end, right? Like, you know, people are already, they're already tipsy. No one's gonna know the difference. But what's happening right here, watch this, is that even though that was going to be the trend of this party, that as soon as Jesus was called upon, even though it was day three and the party is declining at this moment, as soon as he intervened, what was on its way to becoming the worst turned into the best. The best was saved for last. Jesus got the last word, it was the best word, right? One of the things I love most about serving Jesus and living a life devoted to him is that in Jesus Christ, I can always be assured that the best is always yet to come. The best is always yet to come. I want this to sink in. Everyone listening, all online, all other locations, let this sink in. The best days of your life have not been lived yet. They haven't been lived yet. In Jesus, the best is always in front of me. The best is always ahead of me. Now this is completely contrary to what the world would want us to believe. Because the world's gonna create pop culture, pop songs about you better live it up when you're young, you better sow your wild oats when you're young, you know, just that, that's when you're living the dream, oh, to be young again, oh, to be young and wild and free, and that, that's when you're really living life because everything after that, boy, is just really tanking. I mean, you're gonna get married and now you're tied down and it's tanking and then you got kids and now you're really hitting rock bottom and then you got job stress and financial issues, and, but, but not when you're in Jesus Christ. When you are in Jesus, the best is always ahead of me. God's best is always in front of me. I can wake up each morning and put my feet on the ground knowing that today is going to be better than it was yesterday. It's going to be a better year than it was last year. The best is always ahead. I mean, if, if the best days of my life are behind me, what kind of living is that? Why even push on? Why even keep going if the good stuff is in my rearview mirror? The best. Jesus saves the best for last, man. Some people in our church listening right now or listening later, like you, you feel like the good old days are already behind you. I'm here to tell you they're in front of you. They're in front of you, what God has in store for you. The good stuff is always being saved what God wants to do in your life. Age has nothing to do with this. God's always out ahead of us, doing good stuff on our behalf, always saving the best for last. As Pastor Matt comes and we get ready, I, I wanna share these last couple things, but I, I just wanted Matt to come and join me and the band to just be getting ready. So let me let, me let you in on how sermon prep happens, at least for me. Everyone has their, their different thing. And you could ask, you know, out of the 10 to 15 communicators here at Celebration, we all do it different. I'll, I'll let you know how I do it. When I, when I sit down to study God's word, I like to treat it like a treasure hunt. Maybe this will help someone. And so I look, let's say I'm looking at a narrative like this story. Um, what I like to do is I just, I read it over and over and over and over again. Why do you do that, Pastor Clay? It's simple because gold's never found on the surface. If you want gold, you gotta mine for it. You gotta dig for it, right? That, that's how I 
approach God's word. And, and so what I, what I do is, is I, I try to make myself find 10 things in like a narrative or a chapter or, or however long the, 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 the section is. I wanna find 10 things, like just 10 good points of revelation, 10 good preaching thoughts, 10 good encouraging things that I can see and find. And, and oftentimes what happens is I'll read through it once, I'll get like four, right? But, but, I, but I wanna keep digging. So I'll read it over and over and 10's not some spiritual holy number. It's just a good round number. You know what I mean? It's just, that's just me. I, just, I wanna find 10. And so, so I keep reading and reading and reading and, and it takes me a while sometimes. Like I said, you're digging for it. You're searching the scriptures and the Holy Spirit is helping. Obviously the Holy Spirit is, is the one who's helping stuff jump off pages to you at times and dots are connecting and you're remembering other scriptures that you've read that tie into this and all that's happening. And, and so I did the same thing when I approached this text today. Um, and, and then I thought to myself, you know, as, as scripture, as, as preacher sometimes, um, what you like to do, this is kind of what I try to do is, you oftentimes wanna save like your big right hook for the end. Like, you know what I mean? So like a, a message is kind of building upon itself. You wanna kind of save it. Like if you throw the right hook too early and then people are gonna be like, oh, it didn't get as exciting as I thought it was gonna get later, you know? Like, like you, wasted, you wasted the good thing too early, right? So you try to save it maybe for the end and that's just one idea. Um, and so I had some message thoughts, but I didn't have my right hook, so to speak. So I was praying, I was asking God, I was like, God, show me something here. Like, show me something that I've never seen. I know it's here because it's, it's always here, God. There's always something. So just show, show it to me, show it to me. I'm praying, I'm reading over and over and over and over again. And just like he does all the time because he is faithful, he showed me something that I'd never seen before. And I wanna go back to one of the verses and I wanna show you in verse six and seven. It says, nearby stood six, everyone say six. Six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Now biblical, when you study biblical numbers, biblical numerology, what maybe some of us know in the room now is that six is the number of man. Six represents imperfection and incompletion. So, so when I look at this story of Jesus and okay, he takes these six jars and they fill them with water and they turn into wine and it saves the party and it's a great day and it's the first miracle. Like you can look at it and you can be like, it's good. Like that, that was a good thing. That was a good moment. That's a good miracle. But six would still lend me to believe that it's incomplete. There's something incomplete here. There's something that's imperfect, so to speak, because, because six and, and, and what I know about scripture is it doesn't just say stuff to say it, it says stuff for a reason. So six was in your Bible because God divinely inspired, wanted you to know that it was six. You see, numbers are important and what the Bible says and how it says it, it's important because God was the one putting it down through authors on paper, right? So six is there for a reason. And so I'm thinking to myself, what is it? Sick, sick, there's, there's an incompletion here. There's an imperfection here. What, what's going on? God, show me, God, show me, God, show me. And then he showed me and I caught it. Church, you are the seventh jar. I'm the seventh jar. We are the seventh jar. 
You see, scripture said that the reason Jesus did this in Cana at the wedding, the Bible said at the very end, we read it, it was to reveal his glory so that people would believe in him and see him for who he really was. You see, and I just wanna say, just as Jesus poured drinking water into six jars that turned into wine so that his glory would be revealed thousands of years ago, so it is in 2018 that he wants to pour living water into earthen vessels so that people can see who God really is in our life, that his glory can be revealed in us. Think about this, you and I, we are a continuation of a miracle that Jesus began several thousand years ago. We're the continuation of that. We're the completion of that. We're the seventh jar that Jesus wants to use. I'm a jar. You have an opportunity to be a jar that God wants to pour himself into. You go to work on a Monday realizing that you are a vessel carrying the living water of the Holy Spirit, our God, and all of a sudden your workplace begins to feel and look a little bit different. You realize you walk into that house and there's still unsaved family members, but I am a vessel carrying the living water of Jesus Christ. And when I walk into this house and I pray over this house and I declare the goodnesses and the promises of God over my house, boy, I'm bringing the Holy Spirit in. Come on, someone say, I'm a jar. I'm a vessel. And God wants to pour living water into you. We're a continuation. We're a continuation of a miracle. The first one, Jesus began in his ministry to reveal the glory of God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But watch this. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. We hold the treasure, we hold the spirit, we hold the living water, we hold the goodness of God as earthen vessels. You see, it's you that God wants to fill. He's not looking for six stone water jars anymore. Jesus has now come, he he, he has died, he's rose again from the dead, he's looking for earthen vessels now. It's you that God wants to use. It's you that he wants to fill to overflowing. You are a place to reveal his glory. You are a miracle waiting to happen. You are a miracle in progress. You know, we don't have time to read it right now, but the Bible tells us in the Old Testament, in the book of Kings, it tells us of this widow. Her husband has died. It's just her and her son. And, uh, and the dad who had passed away, he left a, a pretty significant amount of debt. But here the mom and the son, and they don't have any way to pay this debt. Debt collectors are knocking on the door each day here to collect money. She doesn't have it. Bible says they eventually interact and encounter a prophet, a man of God, who comes to the house and he comes to the house and they're sitting there talking together and she is telling him all about her problems and what's going on and and we've basically just decided this is it, we're probably gonna die. We don't have food, we don't have resource, we don't have money, people are coming. And here's the thing is that if she couldn't pay this debt back, then the debt collectors were gonna take her son. That was the the deal, you're gonna take your boy. If you can't pay this debt, she's frantic, she's freaking out, she doesn't know what to do. I can't even believe what it would've been like being a mother in that situation. The prophet of God goes over into the pantry and he says, what do you have? All she had was a small jar of olive oil. Now, if I come over to your house today 
and we both go into the kitchen together and you're showing me around and we open up the pantry and there's nothing in there but a small jar of some olive oil, it's safe to say you've fallen on hard times, okay? It's not a good place to be. That's all she has. That's all she has. So the prophet says this, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the small jar of oil. I want you to ask all your friends in town, get as many vessels as you can, bring them all here to the house. I want you to take the small jar of oil. I want you to pour it a little bit into each and every one of the vessels that you have collected. So the Bible says she does it, her and her son get all these vessels together. And as she pours her little bit of oil, all of the jars miraculously fill with oil. Right, So now she's able to sell oil, get money to pay her debts. There was so much that she actually had more money to live on after she got debt free, okay? Right? But there came this part in the story. There came this part in the story where she's filling up the larger vessels and scripture says this, look at your Bible, your Bible says this. She says, son, hand me the next vessel. The son says, mom, we're fresh out. We don't, we don't have any more vessels and the bible says at that moment the oil stopped flowing see i want you to ponder this with me church oil was not the problem the problem was they ran out of vessels would they have had more vessels the oil would have kept flowing and flowing and flowing and flow, but they ran out of vessels. You see, does God have more miracles in heaven? Does he have more anointing? Does he have more healing and purpose and providence and provision? Does he? Of course he has it. It's just sitting up there. The question is not of oil. The question is, are there any vessels that he can pour into in the earth? The question is not about anointing. The question is not, is he still do miracles? Is he still interested in miracles? Does he still want to help people? The question is, are there any jars? Is there still a seventh jar that's willing to say, yes, God, pour your living water into my life so that your glory can be revealed? I'm a vessel. I'm a vessel. If you want to be, you can be a vessel that God can use. You could be a jar that God can pour his spirit in. You see, he's your first. He was there at the first. He was there at the beginning. It was right, it was good. God doesn't make cheap. He, he, he doesn't craft mistakes. It was good when he began with you. But what we have the opportunity to do is say, Jesus Christ, come and be my last. Do the last word. Speak the last word over my life. It'll be a saving word, a redeeming word. Come and do the last work in my heart, in my spirit that I need to be done. And, and when Jesus is your first and, and Jesus is your last, maybe the middle got out of order. Maybe the middle got a little messy as it does for all of us. But when he's my first and my last, what happens is people can still look at my life, make sense of the whole. They can still read it the way it was intended to be read. You know, the Bible says this. The Bible says that um, it is possible for people to see your life and your good deeds, but glorify the Father in heaven. That's only possible when Jesus is our first and our last. That someone could read my life like that 
and still glorify God. They're not glorifying God if it's just good start and messy for the rest of the way. No, no one's going, but, but when it's a good start, maybe there was some mess, but boy, Jesus came and redeemed as the last word and the last word. Now people can read it. Oh, it makes sense. I get it. Oh, there's glory for Jesus right here. There's glory for God right here. And your life can be a vessel. God needs more vessels. God needs more vessels in your workplace. God needs more vessels in our family. God needs more vessels in Jacksonville, Florida. God needs more vessels. And when Jesus is invited and welcome to intervene, boy, he brings salvation with him. I'll say it like this, when, when God is first, you never have to fear what's last, okay? When you put God first in your life, you never have to fear what's last because you know what's coming, the best is ahead. The best is ahead. I'm a vessel now. I'm a vessel now. God's gonna pour into me. I'm a vessel now. God's gonna use me. I'm a vessel now. God's getting all the glory through what he's gonna do in my life and my situation. Why don't we stand to our feet right now and you can put your stuff down. I just wanna pray for some people and we'll dismiss. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if you're here today and you are not in a right relationship with God or maybe you're like unsure, like maybe you're just like, I don't even, I don't even know. I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to think, I don't know. But if, but if there's not certainty in your heart, man, today I just felt like this message was for some people in our church that, that God's, God's wanting you to be a jar. He wants you to be a vessel. Understand this, just with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to think about your life. Just, just consider where you're at with the Lord right now. You don't have to think about family members. Just think about where you personally are at. Listen to me, you understand this, that you cannot outrun the grace of God. You can't outrun it. That maybe you're here today, you even think you're sitting in this room right now or watching online or another one of our locations at Orange Park or Julington, and maybe you just think like, it's total chance that you showed up to church today, someone invited me, we're gonna catch brunch afterwards, so I told them I'd go to church with them. And, and maybe you just think you're here by accident, or maybe you're like, I, I haven't been to church in a long time, but I just moseyed on in today. Listen, the reason you are here today is because God has providentially cornered you because His grace is chasing you, and you cannot outrun it. You cannot outrun it. Boy, his grace is relentless. He loves you enough to not stop running after you. He's chasing you and he's led you here to this moment so that you could hear some of his word being taught today and understand that you're a vessel that he wants to use, that you're not just some junk drawer human being with no purpose and no calling, but rather on the contrary, God has put significant things in you. The Bible says that he puts eternity in the hearts of men. If you'll just receive him, I'm here to tell you you're a vessel. You're a vessel, you're a vessel, you're a jar. He wants to pour living water into you. The Bible says that anyone who drinks from him shall not thirst again. The Bible says that he is the bread of life. And when you come to him, you will not hunger anymore. This is the God that we serve. And so I don't know where you're at with Jesus, but I'm not gonna embarrass you. I would never ever do that. 
But what I do want to say is, man, you know God's speaking to you right now. Your heart's maybe beating 100 miles an hour, and you don't know what's going on. Maybe you feel like, oh my gosh, this feels weird. I've never felt like this before in church. And, and listen, if you feel any worry or fear or anxiety or doubt right now, that is not God. That is the enemy trying to keep you limited. He's trying to tell you, don't listen to this preacher. Don't do anything stupid. Just keep your hands down. Don't say anything. Don't look at anybody. Listen, that's the enemy. What God is saying is be bold today. Take a step today because I have purpose for you today. If that's you and you're saying, I want to be a vessel, I want to surrender my life to Jesus on the count of three, I want you to be the boldest you've ever been. And in this crowd of people, I want you to lift your hand as high as it gets because today is going to be the day of salvation for you. One, two, three, put your hand in the air. Today's the day. Come on, be bold about it. Be courageous about it. Today is your day to be a vessel that God wants to pour into. Now, right now, I want you to get bolder. Listen, silence the voice of the enemy. If your hand is in the air, I want you to come down here right now. Go ahead, come down here right now. I want to meet you. I want to shake your hand. I want to pray with you, man. Today is your day. Come on, church, let's celebrate, man. People giving their lives to Jesus. Come on. Come on, as long as they're coming, we're celebrating. As long as they're coming, we're celebrating. As long as they're coming, we're clapping our hands. We're lifting our voice. Come on, in Jesus' name. Yay. Awesome. 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 Come on. Come on. They're still coming. Come on. Come on. Man, I said it. I said it in the first service when as many people as you came down in the first service. This happens all the time in our church. If you're new to our church, man, this happens all the time. You never, yeah, you never got to be afraid to come to this altar. Man, it happens all the time. I praise God for what happens in moments like this. But listen to me. Listen to me. Thank you. Thank you for being a vessel. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you. Now, hold on, hold on. Just stick with me for a second. Let me talk to them for a second. Let me just talk to everyone else out here for just a second. Everyone else out here sitting in your seat, listen. Listen, don't leave on me. Don't leave on me. This is the most important part of every service. Don't leave on me, okay? But watch this. This should never be common, okay? Don't clap just yet, but this should never be common to us. Happens a lot. We're thankful for it, that it happens a lot. But don't let it become commonplace in your heart. Because listen, listen to me. If you're really passionate about this city that God has you living in, if you're really passionate about seeing people make it into heaven and eternity with Jesus, watch this, oil ain't the problem. Oil ain't the problem. The reason we get excited is because now there's more vessels. Now there's more vessels to a And when there's more vessels, now there's more oil that can be poured out into the city of Jacksonville and the cities of Orlando and Fort Lauderdale and Zimbabwe and Paris. Oh, there's more oil. There's more oil that gets poured out because God's getting more vessels. He's getting more vessels. I love it. I'm going to pray for all of you. I love all of you so much, man. Thank you so much. Man, 
One time the disciples asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, what should we pray about? Give us something to pray about. Jesus said, you want something to pray about? Pray for more laborers. Pray for more vessels. It's not about the harvest. It's, I just need more vessels. I just need more people ready to work. I just need more people ready to do this. And that's why I love you guys so much because you're, you're an answer to a prayer that Jesus told people to pray. We need more. We need more. And by you stepping up and saying, God, I'm going to do it. God, I'm going to be a vessel. Man, I'm so proud of you. And what you're going to figure out is no matter what kind of life you have been living, and I don't know you from Adam and whatever, but, but maybe it's been good, maybe it hasn't been good, maybe it's been confusing, but here's what you can know, is that as a living vessel that's surrendered to Jesus Christ, you can always be assured now that the best is always in front of you. The best is always ahead of you. It's not behind you, it's ahead of you. And God's going to do a great thing in your life. Every single one of our pastors, man, so many people of our church, Boy, they've been serving God for years now, decades now, but they all stood right where you stand right now. And man, we're all just, we're all just vessels that God's using to reach our city. So church, why don't we just pray this with them? Maybe people praying it for the first time. Just repeat it after me. Everyone say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize my need for you, that you're the way, the truth, and the life, the first and the last, the alpha and the omega. I thank you for the cross, that you love me enough to come to earth, to die, and to raise again from the dead so that I can be with you forever. You are everlasting to everlasting. You are the Savior of the world. You are the Lord of my life. And from this day on, I am yours and you are mine in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, one more time, man. Let's put our hands together. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.